beautiful sense of the presence of the creator of the universe. We're so glad you're able to be here and be a part of this. Our founding pastor, my primary spiritual mentor, Pastor Von Gerald, would always start by saying, you know why it was better today? And he says, because you're here. And he'd look around at individuals, because you're here, Brother Lou, and I won't go. I could do that for a while. I know a lot of you guys. <laughs> As Ish said, it's better because you're here, because we all are containers. We're houses. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come together, so much of the power and the synergy and the, and the presence that we experience, it's not just because God sees us. He's like, oh, I'll drop by for a visit because they're singing uh, these songs that I like. He, he's already there. He's already in us and working through us. And it's why the word is very clear that we're not to forsake the gathering together of the saints, especially as we see the day approaching, because we need that ability to share with one another to understand that no one's on the sidelines but yet maybe you feel like you're on the sidelines and maybe uh, it's that season where you have to uh, take a position maybe you feel like you're in the upper level of the bleachers but your heart can still be very much on the playing field based on how your intercessions are happening or not based on how much you're uh, devoting your finances into what's happening on the field or not, your, your involvement, my point is your involvement in what's happening on the field isn't just because maybe your two feet are on the field in that moment of your life. Some of the most effective ways you can minister in the kingdom of heaven is just when you're like Moses was on the top of that mountain. And it said that the, rest, the other part of that story, which was amazing, is that when his hands were raised, demonstrating like, God, we need you, because Joshua was outnumbered. They were fighting people that had fought their whole lives over territory and cities, and they were skilled people of war. They were that way. That's how they understood life. Meanwhile, the Israelites are coming in from being in the wilderness. They're just getting manna given to hand, given to them. They're not hunting and gathering and stuff. They're just going out in the morning outside their tent and picking up the food for the day. God's just taking care of them. He has them like in this incubator of existence. And all of a sudden it's time for them to go in. And it says that when Moses' hands were raised, acknowledging that God, if you don't help them, they don't know what they're doing. They're not trained like their enemy is. If, if you don't help them, we know we're done. And it says that whenever his arms were too tired for him to hold them up and his arms would come down, that the battle would shift and the Israelites would start to lose in, this, in, the, in the war. That it was contingent on the, on the leader recognizing that God without you, <laughs> whatever's happening on the field, it's not going to be successful. And so brothers came alongside and held his arms up, I believe, to demonstrate that the victory belonged to the Lord, but he was bringing it through the spiritual authority and into the armies that were on the actual field of battle doing damage to the enemy. So I just want to encourage you with that. Wherever you are uh, in, in this reality, make sure you're engaged. Make sure you're a part of it at a heart level, at a mental level, at a, at a communication level. Let people that are on the field that might be getting fatigued, let them know, hey, we got your back. We're praying for you. Some of the most precious relationships I have right now are guys that just text me and say, hey, just so you know, prayed for you today. God showed me this about what's going on. Really want to encourage you. These things mean a lot when you're in the, when you're in the heat of battle. And I just want to encourage you, contribute in some way. Engage in what's happening. Because it's time. It's time for the church to shine the way that she's never shown, uh, maybe in our generation that we're aware of. 
God's light shining out of us. When it comes together, it's powerful. It changes atmospheres. It changes communities and families and cities, countries. I so appreciated uh, Wendy's prayer for our nation and just for the Lord to continue to give us vision, godly vision, heavenly vision. Do you know the world sees what they can see because they have natural eyes, but we have a spiritual set of eyes that we can see through the natural stuff and see things the way God sees it by faith. And uh, I don't want to, I could preach today because, uh, man, <laughs> poor Joe, Joe's, Joe Colucci is going to share a word with us this morning. And I, they're about, him and Lily and his beautiful family are about to head back on the mission field. And I just felt to say this one thing about, you know, missions, because we had the India team two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever that was. So India team shared, Jared and Charlene and, and uh, Rise Nations and, and the team that came back. And then we had Pastor uh, Cordeaux, Noli, and Lois, they shared last week about the missions trip to Asia, six weeks in, in grueling climates and just doing uh, things for the Lord, ministering to churches, empowering and strengthening. And today we're going to have another missionary. And as a pastor, I'm like, oh, you know, you hear certain little, little models you're supposed to follow. Like you don't have too many missionaries in a row. You keep asking people for support and they're going to get burned out and try to find some place where uh, people aren't asking for money. But that's okay. If this is too much, um, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But the point is, this is who we are. Missional is not just a part of a, when we say we're a missional church, to be a missions church, it's not an adjective, it's not just a descriptive word. A mission is something that you do. Ask any military person, when they go on a mission, they're out to do something. They're going in with a purpose, with an objective, and they're going to do it. And so we're a doing church. We have our food pantry, our clothing ministry, we're in the community, we're in the nations of the world, we're believing God to show us how to expand in every single way. And so it just happens to be today is one of the last Sundays that uh, Joe's able to be available to share with us. And uh, he's not a missionary. The miss missionaries from us, they're part of our family that we kind of allow God to borrow on foreign soil. <laughs> we, we reluctantly release them. Uh, known Joe since 12 or 10 or 11, somewhere around there. And I probably, yeah. Wow, I just <laughs> saw your brother sitting back there and I was just like, whoa. Um, man, genetics are an amazing thing. But um, the reality is they're family members that we're connected to, that we believe in. And yes, they get support from other places, but uh, they're part of our church family. And when we send them out, we want them to feel that connection. And so just continue to pray about God, how, how God will use you to be a part of what's happening on the field, whether it's here in Kingston or in Zambia, Africa. And uh, worship's gone long. I've already said enough, Joe. Well, come on up here. I don't want to take any more of your time. Let's welcome Joe. Thank you, thank you. For the record, I gave Josh uh, every opportunity to not allow me to take the pulpit for a third Sunday in a row. I said, are you not worried about like the business? The church business model dictates that you like need to get up here and preach or, you know, the church could vote you out or something. Um, I don't really know how that works, but um, but fortunately, um, I've known Josh long enough to know that uh, he isn't he isn't a pastor for um, for the salary isn't he this isn't his his preferred job um, and uh, and praise the Lord he's he stepped into into this role by faith um, and not in his own strength because uh, I know he'd rather be building something somewhere or making furniture or um, be anywhere anywhere but here so um, so thanks for uh, for listening to the Lord um, I actually was really looking for every every out as well to not get up here and share this morning. Um, I've been doing that for a while now. I don't know if anybody's noticed. It's been about two years since I've got up here and, um, and preached. And I, and I felt like I actually needed to confess and apologize this morning because um, we were here, um, Lily and I were here um, last year unexpectedly um, for Lily to get another surgery. It was surgery number four um, for her after 
a number of failed surgeries and um, we were here for a couple months and Josh said, hey, do you want to do you want to share it all while you're here? You know, you're here for a couple months. And I was like, you know, I'm just not, um, you know, I've got to, I'm taking care of the boys and Lily's on bed rest and yada, yada, yada. And I made all the excuses um, to not get up here. And um, and I feel like I've I've that's my that's my M.O. I'm like, yeah, OK, now I got I got all these good excuses to, to not get up there and share. Um, and so when when Josh really um, didn't take. Um, the opportunity to, to retain his pulpit this morning. I was like, okay, I really got to get up there and, and share something. And um, it was wild, actually, to hear all the people coming up here during worship with words and um, just kept kept hitting me again. Um, I feel like I've had, I actually, I'm terrible at taking notes, by the way. Um, I have, um, I, if you look through my notes, I have 46 bullet points in no particular order this morning. Um, that, that genuinely, um, I brought a notebook up here. I brought a notebook up here because I was praying that in worship, it's a cool Land Rover notebook for anyone that can't see. Um, uh, I was praying like somehow the Lord would give me clarity in what I was going to share um, and the order I was going to share it to make it a coherent uh, message. And um, that's my notes in my, written in my notebook. Um, so, so you're getting 40, uh, 46 bullet points um, in ADHD order. Um, and so take it as it comes. If it's a coherent message this morning that speaks to you, it's the Lord. Um, because, um, yeah, I, um, I'm just uh, trusting that he's going to speak through me. Um, also, um, I've never cried while public speaking before, um, but Adele has, um, was intently praying in worship that the Lord would cause me to sob up here this morning. So if that happens, um, you can blame Adele um, and see her afterwards. Um, it's so wild for me, as, as, um, as Pastor Josh said, um, you know, he's known me since I was, a, I was a teenager, and it's so wild, it's so cool to see all the, the youth up here, and I've, I've reached that age where I um, actually almost dressed exactly like Caleb this morning. I walked in, I was like, oh my gosh, I almost wore that same O'Neill shirt. I'm so glad I didn't. Um, but I, I still feel like I'm, I haven't really gotten much older, um, and then, and then on the other hand, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was that young and immature. No offense, guys. No, no offense. Um, but it's been really wild. Um, even as, even as Josh said, my, my brother who was born when I was 18 years old is now sitting back at the back with his wife. Just to give you an idea of how old I am now, um, I'm not going to tell you, um, that my next birthday I'll be 40. Um, that came up quick, but, um, but what I've really felt like recently um, especially on the missions field where we're training up young people. We have, you know, we've always said get young people out. I mean, I've been, I, I did the training program 17 years ago, so I'm now old enough to be the dad of these young people that are coming through. Uh, we had a student last year come through that was over 20 years younger than me, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but it's so cool to actually see these people getting raised up and getting sent out and, um, and getting anointed to minister better than me. Um, and, and I think it's such a hard... It's such a hard thing to actually release young people and say, okay, yeah, you've got this call of God in your life. And I was so encouraged um, recently. Um, I was at an Overland event, and um, the young lady that was speaking, I was like, oh, my gosh, she was just a teenager going through AMT, and she, had, she was pe- preaching with such fire. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, can, I don't have to ever share again at a church because she's the, the young people now. They've got it. Um, and I think it's so hard um, for us as, as elders on not yet an elder, but obviously, you know, still young. Um, but it's so it's so hard for us to to release that that grasp on. Okay, this is this is my my role. This is my position. This is my place. Um, and yet to see the anointing in young people, and that's something that I feel like the Lord um, has been calling to mind recently. None of this is in my notes. I don't even know where I'm going right now. Um, but yeah, all that to say, um, I wanted to 
to thank Josh. Yeah, that's yeah, wait, only 47, 40, that was 48 and 49, not point. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I just wanna, I just wanna you know, honor Josh and, and say thanks so much for um, giving me the mic here. I do wanna show a quick video before I go much further. It's only a couple minute video. I know so many people um, hear me tell stories, they hear about Overland, um, and, and this is a video that was put together recently, just kind of about the, the missions trips that Overland does, um, something that I did years ago, back when I was a young person. Um, and uh, so I just want to kind of give you guys a quick, quick overview of what's going on out there. So we're going to throw that video up, if that's all right, um, and I'll get back up. Across the world, there are rivers, footpaths, mountain passes, dirt roads, and deserts that lead to lost and remote people. There is no way to reach them and no easy way to find them. Because of the difficulty, these people groups are being forgotten and generations are passing not knowing the name of Jesus. Yet there are some of us in the church that have committed our lives to being the ones to make Christ known in these rural and hard to reach places. By boats, trucks, dirt bikes, and planes, we are traveling millions of miles every year in finding the forgotten. And they, in response, are saying yes to a relationship with their Savior. Despite the efforts of our team, there are still thousands of people groups waiting for someone to speak to them so they might hear and believe. The body of Christ is big enough, strong enough, and equipped enough to be more than enough to the world. Jesus has called you. The people are waiting on you. We, we believe, believe in, you. in you. Will, Will you, you join, join us? us? Um, so that's kind of a quick, quick three-minute overview of what's going on, um, a part of very small part of what's going on with Overland. But if you got, anybody does feel like they do want to jump on a trip at some point, please come talk to me. Um, but I'm not here to to recruit people this morning. I just wanted to um, share some stuff from my heart. Um, I don't know if we have that picture. I know there's a few new faces here this morning um, that don't know uh, my wife Lily um, and my boys Ollie and Coop, um, Oliver and Cooper. Um, we all obviously serve together out on the missions field. Sometimes people ask me, oh, like, where does your wife live while you're out on the missions field? Like, no, we, we, we live in Zambia. It's the only place that we actually have permanent residence um, in the world. My wife's British, for those that don't know. Um, I'm from, from here, Ulster County boy. Um, and so um, the only place that we can legally live anywhere in, like, in the world is Zambia. We have permanent residence there, and so we are um, about as full-time missionary as it gets, I guess, if that's, I don't know, it feels weird still. I still don't feel like a full-time missionary because I only just left here for my first trip like 17 years ago. Um, so, <laughs> um, it's weird. It is really weird coming back and obviously seeing so many, so many faces, so many people that I've done life with and, um, and to come back and this feels, this feels so much like home. Um, and then to go back, I, I genuinely feel like I live two different lives. Um, and it's, and it's weird how little crossover there's been. There's been a few people that have come out. Um, it was great to have Pastor David and Nolia and Lois out there this year and um, to get to see the work that's going on. Um, it was great to have Jeremy out there um, 13 years ago um, and, uh, and a number of other people. Um, it was that trip that he was talking about a couple weeks ago where he was an absolute butt. Um, no, he was great, great, great kid. Um, man, none of this is in my notes. What the heck? Um, I, I really felt like um, I was sharing a little bit about kind of all that my wife's gone through. 
um, briefly. Um, I really don't want to get into it too much, but um, I've gotten to this point um, in the last four years. Um, for those that don't know, um, we had a uh, we had Cooper just before COVID, and Lily was on a waiting list for um, surgery. It was a really terrible birth. She was on a waiting list in England. We had to cancel our flights. We had to do all this stuff. COVID hit. We got locked down. Like we literally booked flights to get out after surgery got canceled. It was chaos. It was like everything that could go wrong, like literally to the hour of like getting her passport in, borders shutting down. Like we missed, we genuinely missed getting back to Zambia um, by hours because of the way when like all the borders closed down for COVID and we got locked down in England for nine and a half months. Um, and so it was like, we, pl we planned to be there for three months. Um, anyway, in that time, our vehicle in Zambia got invaded by rats. They ate the wire harnesses. They ate like... They spent nine months just chewing the thing to pieces. Um, so it was like one of those seasons of life where we ended up getting back to Zambia. Lily hadn't got to have the surgery that she needed because of COVID and cancellations and everything else. Um, and so then it's, that's continued over the last four years of like her having to go for surgery in Zambia, her then going for surgery in New York, then go back to su surgery in Zambia. All that to say, um, it's, been, it's been a really challenging time. Um, and it's been something that's like, in the natural, um, a number of people ask, like, hey, how are, how are you still okay? Like, how are you still smiling um, most days? Um, and, and it has been. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's been extremely challenging. And I think that was something that I was, I was really wrestling with last year. And I was like, you know what? Lily's going for one more surgery. And once this one works, um, you know, then I'll, then I'll get up and share from a place of, like, hey, this is what the Lord has done. Um, look at the, you know, we, we were faithful for three years and um, and praise the Lord, um, you know, we kept our hearts right, and, and now we're on the other side of it, instead of from a from the, the dark place that I was in. Um, and praise the Lord, um, we're still walking through it. Um, we fly back um, this, this week, um, and Lily will be um, flying down to South Africa next month um, to get a colostomy bag. It's kind of the um, the, the last thing that we, we had hoped for and prayed for um, four years ago, obviously, when... Um, when our son was born, but um, we're we're excited for this next season and just seeing her uh, pain free and and working out a different way to live her life. Um, and praise the Lord, we're still there. We're still on the missions field. We found a way uh, way to make it work out there. Um, but in all this, um, I remember I was sharing a lot of my frustrations with Bob um, and Esther last year, and it was I think it was the week Bob got got ordained. Um, so he was all of a sudden a pastor, and um, Bob and I have been friends since we were teenagers. A lot of people um, will remember um, or have even recently seen us reverting back to a teenage-like um, relationship, but um, we were probably some of the most immature teenagers that Josh and Elaine um, ever had to deal with. Um, so you guys got a, got a big challenge to live up to. Um, but um, we, were, we were a bit nuts, and so I was just venting to Bob as, you know, as my my mate for all these years, and, um, and I was like, you know, it's so frustrating because I was in the middle of all these projects um, in Zambia, and I'm a very, I'm a very works-based, or I don't want to say works-based, I'm a very, like, um, goal-oriented person, I guess, um, where, like, I like to look back, not even goal-oriented, I like to look back and see, hey, I built that. Actually, you know what, I was, I was looking this morning, um, I remember when this broke and I repaired it. I think when I repaired it, this was actually at the back, I don't know who's um, gone and repaired it again. Um, but I remember when Roy Fields um, leaned on this and, and broke it, and I, and I repaired it, and I was really proud of my, my repair job on this pulpit. But I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to look back and see, hey, I, I made that or I fixed that. 
And when we had to leave Zambia last year unexpectedly um, for Lily to get surgery, I was right in the middle um, of a really big building project at our missions base. And it's one of those projects where I think anybody that's um, ever built anything um, in, the, in the current world um, of like houses and stuff, like an architect does the plans, um, but it always surprises me that people always remember the architects. Like you look at some of the big, like biggest buildings in Manhattan, um, and it's like, oh, who built that? Like, oh, well, that was designed by so-and-so. Nobody cares who the heck built it. Like, yeah, there was a building crew, I don't know, it was ABC construction or something, but it's like the architect gets the, gets the credit, and sometimes the architects never even see the job. Like they'll get sent a plan, then maybe they're in California, um, they'll be like, hey, this is the footprint we have to work with, this is what we want. They'll design it, send the plans. They've never even seen the building. Um, and, and for me, um, I was doing this project in Zambia, and the architect that had never been, or the, the architect the, who shall remain nameless, had been on the ground and kind of seen the location roughly real quick, flew to another country, designed the plans, and sent it to us. And I was like, well, that doesn't really work for this space. So I kind of like redesigned it and changed a bunch of stuff to make it work. And then was kind of like midway through altering this plan to make it fit and kind of didn't really ever redesign it properly. And so it was one of those things of like, you're halfway through this big building. It was, it was 12 units, each with um, two bathrooms. So you're talking like four buildings, um, you know, on our property. Um, and I had to leave right in the middle of it and kind of like real quickly be like, hey, don't forget, that window has to be moved because it doesn't line up with that door. And I kind of like ran through all these things and then, then had to leave. And it was like knowing that I've, I've kind of tried to get the ball rolling as much as I can. I did a terrible job of actually drawing up plans because I'm too scatterbrained to sit down and like redraw everything. Um, and then left and was saying to Bob, I was like, I'm so frustrated because I've done so much work to like redesign it and make it work. And now other people are going to get the credit because they're the ones on the ground doing it. Um, I don't even, I'm not even the architect. I'm like, I was like the interim builder guy. Um, and, and now like that whole project's going to get done and I'm not even going to be there to see it get finished. And we're back in the States and I was like, like, you know, it's just frustrating. Like, um, and Bob, um, got really preachy on me. Um, and he said, <laughs> I think this is, this is what I remember Bob saying to me. Um, he's like, well, if you're, if you're doing with, if you're doing it for the recognition, then maybe you're doing it for the wrong reason. Um, and God is reminding you of why you're actually there. And I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> Um, and he actually texted me to apologize that he was like, hey, sorry I got preachy. I don't know what that was. I was like, yeah, what the heck, man? You just got ordained like last week, bro. Um, and, but it was one of those things that like it hit me so much um, and it's messed with me. I'm telling you, it's messed with me for the last year. Um, and and it, it really hit me again, um, again, just the just last couple, in the last couple months. Um, I preached a message last year um, in Zambia, I'm not normally the one that they let preach. Um, there's a lot of more qualified people. Um, and Phil really threw me under the bus this one Sunday. I felt like I was um, being audited. Um, because it was one Sunday where, like, normally it's like, oh, well, shoot, Phil's out, Jake's gone, uh, Arthur's gone, um, Kieran's gone. Um, and there's, like, a list of ten people. And they're like, hey, Joe, can you preach? Um, and it was a random Sunday where they were all there and it was like, and it was in between AMT. So there's like no new people. And, and Phil's like, Hey, it'd be great if like all the, all the new people got to hear your heart. They've never heard you preach before. I'm like, there is no new people. It's literally the entire stat. Like it was like the whole leadership, um, panel sat right in the front row, like front three rows. And I'm like, this is like the most intimidating, um, intimidating group to get up and preach in front of. 
And, um, and so I preached a, a bit of a message of kind of preaching of, of um, strive to, what was it, strive to be, um, or strive for obscurity. Where like I've, I'm like the least photographed, least videoed guy in Overland Missions. Um, like I can't tell you, I've, for, the, for the four or five times I've preached um, in, in our missions base, somehow there's like not a single photo. Guys, I actually want everyone to get their photos out right now and take a photo of me preaching and then, and then um, airdrop it to me later. Um, but no, it's, it's actually funny because I'm like, I'm the most, um, I feel like I'm like the most obscure guy in Overland. And, um, and I love it. And it's, but at times it like kind of messes with your pride of like, um, you know, why, why am I not, why am I not being put in, in, a, in a higher position? And, and I feel like it's just been the, the Lord's way of reminding me like, you know, that's not what we're called for. Um, we're not called to be the um, the front man, if you will, or the, the face of Overland Missions. Or, um, and it, it, I, love, I love actually the motto that, or the model that um, Dr. Leon and Phil have created um, in, in the missions realm where um, as much as Dr. Leon does, like I feel like he's still one of, like he's such an obscure person. Like you don't, you don't find videos. Um, Phil as well. Um, Phil Phil loves it actually when I get mistaken um, for him. Like I'll be introducing people at at the, our missions base and like giving them a tour. And yeah, when we did this and we came over here and we saw this piece of land and we just decided this. Like oh wow, so like so you thought of all this? I'm like oh no no, I'm just like the the random grunt. That's you know Phil Phil designed all that. So Phil's actually introduced me a few times as the the founder of Overland Missions, um, which is always really fun. Um, but I I got um. And I got such a fun um, opportunity um, last year, year and a half ago, whenever it was, um, where um, Phil and Dr. Leon were planning on flying um, on this big trip around Zambia to see all of the missions bases. And it was like the night before the, the flight, um, Phil says, hey, there's an extra seat in the plane. Now, guys, don't think like, I know you think Dr. Leon, he's like, he's probably flying in like a, a Learjet around Zambia. This was like a Cessna, like a, it was barely a four-seat Cessna. Um, one of those ones with like the bush tires. We landed, I think I, when I counted, um, we landed I think on seven different, at seven different airports. One of them was paved. Um, and, um, but it was so cool to like jump in, jump in this random little Cessna and um, and fly around Zambia and see all the, some bases that I hadn't seen. But it's like one of those planes where you literally like land in the middle of nowhere. The pilot gets out. He has a key on him. He goes and opens this random shed in the middle of the bush. And they have a fuel, they have a fuel reserve there um, at this random grass airstrip in the middle of absolute nowhere. And then we had to like wheel this drum of fuel out. And I got this awesome video of Phil and Dr. Lee. And Phil's like up on a ladder holding the, the, um, the spout. And, and Dr. Leon's there like pumping the fuel. Um, so it was not like a, a glamorous, like you think like, oh wow, they invited you on their jet to like go fly around Zambia and minister the gospel. Um, but one of my favorite moments of that whole trip was getting off the plane and like going to see our missionaries on the ground there. And one of them went like, you're the Joe that they brought? We heard they were bringing Joe, but we thought like Pastor Joe Van Heerden or like, you know, worship Pastor Joe Cruz or something. You're the Joe? Like, why are you here? Um, and I was like, I was like, I love that. That's my reputation. Like, why? Like, they had one seat on the plane and they picked you. Like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but I, I like really made me laugh at that moment. Um, and so I love like, 
I love in a sense, um, you know, being the guy that's like the back end, being able to help move the, the uh, mission forward. And I loved what Aaron shared this morning um, when she came up of, um, of Aaron and, and her holding up the arms of Moses because so much, um, so much that happens in the church is from a place of obscurity. Um, and, and so much that we're called to do um, is to further the gospel and to minister to people isn't from, isn't from the front. Um, and and I was having a, I was having another pity party um, back in January um, at our at our um, Overland conference, and um, my kids were being a nightmare. And you know they had like five and a half hours of childcare um, a day in our 16 hours of sessions at the conference. So I basically became uh, you know Mr. Mom. And Lily was Lily's really good at conference coordinating and stuff, so she was helping with the conference planning. And I ended up basically just with my kids, and it got to like the second or third day of the conference, and I'm like, why am I here? Like, I'm in and out of the nursery, dealing with the kids. I barely sat in a, a service. I haven't got to spend any time in the green room with all the, you know, s- all of us senior staff and the, the pastors, and um, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I why am I part of this ministry? Why do, and it was all this stuff kind of plaguing me, and I got smacked in worship. Um, Adele's prayer um, came true in that moment, and I just started, I literally started tears streaming down my face. Um, and God hit me with like, it's not about you. It's literally not about you. Um, and, and I was like, wow, yep. Um, and it's been so wild because I feel like so many times um, over the last few years I've been asked, um, I love getting asked, what do you actually do? Um, and I think that was my, oh, my, my title, if you will, is why do you do it? Um, because I feel like so often people look at you from the outside and they go, I had one friend say to me like, oh man, you've been out there like 17 years. You must be like, you're like senior pastor out there now? Or like, like what's your, what's your title? And I'm like, no, I'm like the, the um, yeah, I don't really have a title. Um, Phil actually said to me, it was over a year ago, he's like, yeah, write what you want your title to be um, and write your job description and I'll just post it to the team. Um, and it's one of the most challenging things. I have, to date, I haven't written a single thing. It's about, it's, this is the notebook I'm writing it in. Um, and... And I keep saying, okay, yeah, well, I don't know what my, yeah, if I was going to make myself a title, be um, director, director of uh, logistics and, um, yeah, something along those lines. Director of, uh, what, do I, what do I think, logistics and um, importation, or I don't know. It would be some really random, and people would be, okay, so what do you actually do? Um, and so it's been, but it's, but it's been so cool to see um, the the testimonies and kind of see the, the people whose lives I've been able to touch as I've, as I've strived for obscurity. And when I did actually preach that message on, um, the, in, in my big, during my big audit there, um, one of the, one of our pastors came up to me afterwards, like, you can't, like, you can't say you're the most obscure person. Like, everyone when we go into Livingston is like, how's Joe Colucci? They're like, how's Joe? How's Joe? Let's say hi to Joe for me, that Joe, that, that guy Joe. And I'm like, yeah, what? Well, that's what it's about. Um, it should be about the people that you're ministering to. And I don't want to get up here and be like, yeah, and I, and I did this for this guy and that for this other guy. Um, but in the, last, in the last couple of years, it's been so wild to see. Um, I've had uh, a few months ago, what, six months ago, five, six months ago, um, I had to go up to Lusaka. We had a big import, um, a big container coming in, and it had got flagged by customs because they thought we were smuggling stuff in the shipping container. Um, and it was this whole big ordeal. So I ended up going up to meet customs as they opened this container. 
And I get there and I look at the one officer. I was like, oh, you look familiar. And she's like, yeah, I'm from Livingston. I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah. I, she's like, I saw that. She's like, I just realized that it's, that it's you. And I was like, yeah. Um, and this officer had come down. Or she had worked in Livingston for a number of years. Um, and we had, we had gotten in trouble with customs. I say trouble. Um, we, were, we were suspected of, of doing illegal activity. And they impounded some of our stuff and, um, and sent a team to investigate us. And I was the one that brought this team and kind of showed them everything that we were doing. And this one woman literally was like looking for every fault. And it was like, like, I'm sorry, like you're not gonna find it. Like here, I'll show like I'm willing to show you everything. Like here's the here's the photos, here's the documentation, here's everything. And in the end she went, I can't believe it. Like I didn't know a place like this existed in Zambia. We just thought you guys were making this up. Like we genuinely thought you were pulling the wool over our eyes and had like smuggled this stuff in because we didn't know it we didn't know anyone in Zambia could make stuff like this or or do this kind of work in here. Um, and it was so cool because in that moment they're like, it was basically like, all right, you're good to go. Like, we don't know how. And so it was the same thing again. Like, so I ended up going to Lusaka, and there's this woman. She's like, I remember you. I was like, I remember you. Like, how you been? Um, and she's like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be you up here. So, and they end up going through. They still went through all the um, all the work of unloading the container and checking everything. Um, but she even said to the other officers, she's like, yeah, I've been to their place in Livingston. They're actually. They're actually, they actually do what they say they're doing, and they're actually decent. Um, but there's so many, Zambia is like this, it's one of the strangest places. Of It's, it's literally bigger than the state of Texas, um, and yet has um, less than 20 million people. I actually looked it up last night, because I've always said 13 million, but it's up to like almost 20 million now. Um, but you can, it blows my mind how you can like meet someone in one side of the country, and then run into them, or have them remember you. Um, they, I've, I've said so many times, like, Zambians are some of the most kind people and some of the most vindictive people. Like, if you wrong a Zambian, I promise you, like, they will hold it against you. And 10 years from now, they'll be in a place of authority and they'll be like, oh, I remember that person. Um, and they will make your life miserable. Um, but yet, if you go, if you go about, your, um, about your life and just share, share the love of Jesus, really. Um, and sh and um, I kind of marked down, um, judge no one according to the flesh. Um, and I think that's something that um, we all have to be mindful of. Um, but I had um, I had a couple situations in the in the last couple years. Um, one was I was driving down. Um, I was supposed to pick up some people um, in Lusaka. They ended up not being available, so I ended up I got the great opportunity to drive alone in the car for like seven hours, which rarely happens now in my life. Um, so it's like, listen to the music I want, like driving um, the speed I want. Um, I didn't have my helper in the car um, to tell me what I was doing wrong. Um, and, um, and so I'm cruising and I stop in this one small town about halfway back home and I pull over and there's people selling um, drinks and coolers along the side of the road. So I, I buy a Coca-Cola off one of them. And um, as I'm about to pull out, I just glance in my mirror, and there's this guy, he's like, he's wearing like a, a suit jacket, and he's looking at me, and I kind of lean out the window and look at him, and he's like, does this, which is like, you got space for one more? Um, and I was like, yeah, come on. Um, my, um, my parents raised me to pick up hitchhikers, um, which... Um, I, I know it wasn't something I don't think they do a whole lot anymore, but I just, I remember as a kid, these like super random people that would get in the car with us and I loved it. It was always like the cool, I don't even know if my mom knows about it. I feel like, why is my phone? My phone is now voice to texting and is writing new notes based on what I'm preaching right now and I can't figure out how to turn it off. There we go. 
point number 27 or 47 and 48 now are written in my notes. Um, but I still kind of have that, um, that desire, like, hey, there's somebody in need. Um, let me see if, like, they want to jump in. Um, and there's obviously very different culture nowadays than it was 25, 30 years ago. Um, and so Lily, um, I think we were, we were driving last night and it was in the rain. And we had both boys in the back. I was like, oh, that poor person, we should pick him up. She's like, absolutely not. Like, what are you going to do, stick him soaking wet in between the car seats? I was like, yeah, of course. Um, and uh, anyway, um, I just remember, <laughs> I'm going to tell a random story um, just to keep you all awake. Um, but I can't tell you how many times as, as a kid we would go to, guys, listen, young people, the mall used to be like going to Africa. Like, you would have to drive around and find a parking. There was, like, 10,000 vehicles at the mall. And you had to remember which entrance of Macy's you walked in. Because there was, like, three entrances to Macy's and three entrances to Filene's and three entrances to JCPenney and another three at Sears. And if you didn't remember which specific entrance you came in and thought all the department stores looked the same, you would be lost in that parking lot for hours. Like, it was, it was an exploration. Um, and... And so my mom was my mom was the one that would always like like oh that poor old person they clearly have no idea where they parked and we would spend like I don't know probably I felt like hours it was probably like five minutes um, driving people around the parking lot and be like oh do you need help finding your car they'd be like oh thanks so much and we would go on this adventure and we would go up and down all the aisles lo looping them all um, trying to find um, where this person parked it was like oh what store did you park outside of oh I don't I don't even remember. Um, and so it was this awesome adventure. So I still have that, that sense in me is like, oh my gosh, this person needs help. Um, what kind of adventure are we going to get to go on today? Um, and I could tell more stories than that, but I'm going to try to, try to stay focused here. Um, but anyway, so there's this one guy, so he's, he's got his little finger up and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got space. It's just me in the car. Why don't you jump in? Um, and so we get in, he gets in, we, we start driving, we start talking, um, Come to find out, he's a head teacher and a pastor um, in this kind of remote area. Um, and he says, oh, I'm, I'm in, the, in the Joma area. I was like, oh, I know the, know the Joma area. We have some people that minister out there. We have some um, sector missionaries. And um, he says, oh, you know, what do you do? And I explained to him um, what Overland Missions does. And he's like, I've been, I've been praying that missionaries would come to my area to help, like, lay the foundations of the gospel um, to some of the people where we are. I was like, yeah, yeah, give me your number. I'll, like, I mean, I'll, I'd never go to Joma, but whatever. I'll send your number to someone. Maybe that will. Um, and that was about as far as that uh, my, my ministry went that day. Um, obviously, we, we talked. We had a really good time. Um, we kind of built a relationship on this two-and-a-half-hour drive. And, um, and I got back, and I messaged the, his number to someone and said, hey, you know, I met this pastor. I don't know if you guys are going to be in that area, whatever. And that was literally the last I heard of it. And then it was probably like six months later. We had a ministry team come back to Rapid 14. A bunch of them like, hey, we met, we met a pastor that knows you in Joma. Um, and they're like, yeah, Caristo, I guess, set up the ministry in this area because um, he got your, the number of this guy from you. I was like, oh, I literally had no recollection of that. Um, but it was so neat to see, like, those little moments of, like, picking this random guy up, uh, hitchhiking, um, that ended up leading to this, this whole ministry, like, this awesome ministry opportunity in his area. Um, I remember even um, there was one, one lady years ago that my mom picked up um, by the name of Anna. Um, I think, was that Walmart? Was it Walmart or somewhere? I feel like you met her in Walmart parking lot. Yeah, mom said, yeah, it was Walmart parking lot. Um, she met this, this sweet old lady who couldn't find her car and 
helped her find her car. And then I think exchanged numbers. Like, if you ever need help finding your car or anything else, just call me. Um, that's my mom, if you guys know her. Um, and so, of course, Anna called, and, and they ended up building this awesome relationship. And, um, and my mom, bless her, was like, oh, you know, I know you're going to Africa. And I was telling Anna about your missions and what you're doing. Um, and I told her that you're scrapping aluminum. Um, that was what I was doing to raise money for my first trip. I was, like, literally filling my Acura Integra with scrap aluminum um, and getting, like, I think it was, like, oh, my gosh, what was it, 60 cents a pound uh, for scrap aluminum back then? Um, and so that was, that was my way of raising money for my first trip. And so um, mom was like, yeah, Anna has some aluminum for you. Like, she's got some old pots and pans. And I'm like, great. I'm going to go over there and, like, sit and talk with this lady for $1.35 in scrap <laughs> aluminum. Um, and... But I, but I listened to my mom because she was like, oh, she's really excited to talk with you. I'm like, I'd love to go talk to 92-year-old Anna, too. Um, and so I ended up sitting with her, this really sweet old lady. Um, and uh, she's like, yeah, I have, I have this box of old kitchenware. And I was like, thanks, Anna. She's like, and, uh, and here's a check for $1,000 for your ministry. I was like, oh, wow, thanks. Thanks. For that was amazing. Um, and it was so neat to see that. Uh, my mom actually went on a little side note. My mom actually went on to save Anna's life. Um, because she realized she hasn't, I haven't heard from her in, in like five days, and that's not, that's not like her. And mom went over there and found her with a, with a broken hip. She'd been laying, um, laying in her kitchen for, um, for about, I think about five days, five, six days, um, and no one had come to check on her. Um, so that was like a random little, little encounter, so easily missed. You know, you're driving through Walmart parking lot. The last thing most of us are looking for, um, I think, is, is people that look slightly lost at Walmart. Um, but yeah, praise the Lord. Like the, the Lord literally, like he'll put these people before you. And if, if, you, if you listen to his, his nudging, um, you have no idea. You have no idea what it, what it could do for those people and the people around them. Um, and, and so I just kind of wanted to, to touch on that. That was somewhere in my notes. Um, but there's so many, there's just so many opportunities. I could actually go on with stories. I'm going to tell one more um, I just kind of wrote down here, this is point number 32. Um, don't be so caught up in your own agenda that you miss opportunities the Lord has placed in front of you. Um, I, think that's, I think that's something that we all, all can be constantly reminded of. Um, and there was, one, there was one opportunity, I think it was, again, I think it was last year. I have my time calendar is so messed up. I used to be the, I mean, Josh will tell you, I used to be the guy that remembered every day, like, oh yeah, I met you on, he's like, I don't, I don't know when I met you. I was like, yeah, no, it was, um, it was about March 23rd, 2007, or two, oh, no, two, I'm way off now. Anyway, side note. So, I've gotten so bad in the last few years of, like, remembering um, when things happened, but I think it was last year, um, my wife and I were on, on base, and one of our directors called and said, hey, listen, I got this really um, really interesting call from one of the chiefs that we work with. He's an on-fire, born-again, like, spirit-filled um, chief that we have a really good relationship with in Zambia. He's one of the, one of the higher chiefs in Zambia. And, um, and he had called um, our director and said, hey, it's a bit weird. My daughter, who is the, the poster child for the l- largest beer company in Zambia, um, is headlining the, it's the biggest annual festival in Zambia. Um, all the hotels are booked out. Um, and it's a beer festival, big weekend beer festival. They rent out the biggest field, um, and it's like, it's like Woodstock, but for Zambia. Um, and this this chief calls and says, "Yeah, I'm not proud of my daughter, but that's the life she's chosen. She's now like the poster child for Mosey beer." 
Um, and her and her whole team can't find anywhere to stay in Livingston, even though they're headlining this event. Like, can, can they stay at Rapid 14? And you're like, no, no, like they don't stand for the life. Like, they, what, like why would we let that? But you're like, okay, do, for the sake of relationship with this, with this chief, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, send them on. We'll, uh, we'll find a tent for them or something. Um, and this whole van load of young people come to our base and we're like, hey, like, I'm like, hey, I go out and greet them. Like, just kind of get an idea, like, what time you'll be back when I know you're headlining. Um, anyway, they end up staying with us for a couple days um, before the event, and they end up plugging into worship at our base. They end up, like, sitting with the missionaries at mealtime, and they were, like, they were so engaged, and they were, like, we don't know what it is about this place, but it's just incredible. And this girl who's now, she's 20 years old, um, she's literally, like, there's billboards of her in Livingston and all over the country. Um, she's, like, I don't know what it is about this place, but she's, like, you know, and she, she actually, like, opens up to the number of us and was, like, I know my dad's not proud of what I do. She's like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian. She's like, but it's making money. And there's like very little opportunities to make money in Zambia. So, you know, I'm kind of doing this thing, even though I know it's wrong, even though I've, you know, I see what it can do. And so I said, yeah, you know, we, we get to share. I get to minister with these, these people a bit. Um, and I said, and there was Saturday night they were headlining. Um, and she's like, well, one of the first acts, um, we'll, we'll, we're going to try to be back early. I'm like, yeah, right. It goes to like 1 a.m. They got, I think they got back by 9 p.m. They got back to our missions base, all sober. Like, none of them drank. They go back, like, no, we just wanted to get back here. Like, it's so, the, it's so chaotic there. The atmosphere is so terrible. We just wanted to get back here to this, this atmosphere. They're like, and we want to make sure we're back in time that, like, is it okay? Like, we wrote a song. Can we, like, play it in church tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They end up leading us in worship the next morning um, at church. They, like, wrote this, this song. And it was, like, it was so cool. And I said, gosh, I'm getting tears now. What the heck, Adele? Um, it was just so, <laughs> um, it was just so cool to see that, like, here we were, we were obedient against our better judgment, like, no joke. Um, like, yeah, we're going to have the headliners of a beer festival perform in worship on Sunday morning. Um, and it was such an anointed time and it was so awesome. And it was so great to see like, um, what the Lord did in these young people, um, because we were willing to say yes. Um, because we said, all right, you know what, we're going to go out on a limb here. God, hope this is you. Um, and not us just being um, sympathetic, but um, it's just been it's just been awesome to be in a place. I'm gonna try not to take too much more time. I only got to point 32, but um, you guys can see me afterwards for the rest of them. Um, <sighs> trying to see if there's anything I really I, I had scriptures here too, which I should probably open open the Bible. Um, I just I really feel like the Lord's been. The Lord's actually brought me to Philippians 4 a couple times. Um, I'm going to read through a little bit of Philippians 4 here. Um, starting in verse 4, uh, I'll probably go, or I'll let you know when I end. Um, but it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, no made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, 
Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I had that actually, um, I had that scripture written down, and then I, I got it again, um, just kind of as a reminder last night, and as I was reading through it, I was like, man, um, I need, I should like actually write this out and read it every day, um, because it's such an awesome reminder. Um, I know I've like, the, the stuff I've gone through, um, a sane person would have anxiety if they were, you know, having to, to go through some of the stuff I've gone through, and I have, look, I've, I'm not going to lie, like I've struggled with anxiety, I've struggled with, you know, what am I doing, what's the next step, um, and yet I have genuinely found um, that the more time I spend um, in the word and in prayer, um, like the Lord's got it, like he genuinely, he's genuinely got it, um, and as long as we're, as long as we're obedient and still following um, his call on our life, um, he's got, he's got all the little stuff covered. Um, you know, if I wanted to, I can't tell you how many people um, <laughs> this last season have said, um, okay, so what's your, what's your next, what's your next step? Like, what are you doing after, like, what's your next plan? You know, obviously your wife's not doing well. You're going to move and get, move to England or America to get her the care she needs or, you know, what's this? But, and that stuff can plague on you. And I want to encourage you, especially young people, don't let other people's lack of faith or limitations um, dictate the call of God on your life. Don't let that, those little seeds of doubt, don't let those little seeds of question of like, oh yeah, what am I going to do for retirement? You guys need to start thinking about that now, by the way, because you get to 39, you haven't thought about it. It's something you could, that keeps you up at night. Um, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't worry about your retirement yet. Um, but it is one of those things that can like, there's all these little seeds of doubt that people can place in your mind. And I just want to encourage all of you, especially, you know, younger people, um, if you know the call of, of God is on your life, go after it run after it. He'll pick up the pieces. And I could tell you, I could sit and tell you all kinds of testimonies. Um, one thing I was actually just reminded of this morning, there was, there was one, there was one moment, um, years ago, back when the church was before I felt the call to missions, um, where I really felt like, um, I needed to support, um, someone, um, in, in ministry. And I was like, you know what? I just got to sell my car. I was selling my Mazda RX-7 for anybody that remembers my twin turbo Mazda RX-7. Um, it was an awesome car. I still miss it. Um, anyway, um, the, and I, I felt like I needed to sell this car. I was trying to sell it for six months and I kept saying to the Lord, like, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give once, once I've sold the car. And I literally, I went through like a nightmare of selling that car. Um, and I finally, one Sunday, I actually like felt the Lord saying, okay, no, this is something you have to do by faith. I kid you not, if I remember correctly, and I, I actually should have written it down because I'm like, no, there's no way it was that quick. If I remember correctly, as I walked out of the church that Sunday, my phone rang, and it was the guy that ended up buying that car. I've been trying to sell that thing for six months, and it was like the moment that I, that I didn't rely on like what I thought was, okay, this is, this is what needs to happen first. I can tell you guys so many times um, in my life that like when I've stepped out in faith, I said, okay, you know what? This doesn't make sense in the natural. This isn't something that, that seems like the right timing. Like, once God, once you do this for me, then I'm going to go and do that. That's not faith. Um, and I feel like the Lord's just been reminding me again of like, 
getting up here this morning was the something I didn't want to do because um, I'm still not in a place of like, okay, yeah, the Lord's, I don't have this great testimony of like, yeah, you know what? We were faithful, and because of our faithfulness, um, God rewarded us. Um, this, is, this is not that message. Um, this is a message of um, just continue, continue to, continue to be faithful, continue to answer his call, um, and he will, he's got it. He'll orchestrate your paths. I mean, I can't, I've, there's been so many, um, so many testimonies from that. Um, and one thing I, um, I promised, um, I promised someone I would, I would share this verse. Um, it was actually awesome. I got this verse last night. Um, I was chatting with, uh, with Dave Ray. Um, and I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give you a shout out now if I use this verse. So, um, this, uh, this was just something that, a verse that Dave Ray sent me last night. And I was like, it's so just resonated, but, um, it's Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 23 um, to 25, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir, one, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Guys, if that's, that's really the, the reminder that I want to leave with you. If, there's, if you forget everything else, I feel like that verse so so well sums it up. Like, meet together, um, love one another, um, encourage one another. Um, and whenever you're feeling like, oh my gosh, it's too overwhelming or, or whatever, get in the word. Um, that's something that I've seriously lacked in my life. I'm on uh, today's day three of a new reading plan. Um, and so far, I'm not behind yet. So um, if you guys want to wanna tip... Um, Wait till March 1st for, to start your New Year's resolutions, and then um, you won't be as discouraged in the month of January that you failed your New Year's resolution. So my new New Year's resolution is to start the new year on March 1st. Um, good kickoff. My birthday is March 2nd, so it's like a nice, okay, um, for my birthday, I'm kind of getting going again. Um, but yeah, I'm not preaching from a place of, yeah, I've got it all, I've got it all under control because I spend so much time in the Word and, um, and prayer, but um, the Lord's just been constantly reminding me of, as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Um, so get out there, love one another, preach the word, um, and and just do it. Do the thing. Um, I think that's my my message. Do you want me to close? I don't know what. <laughs> you can stay. Let's just stand together. There's really nothing to add to that. What I love about the word of God when it's shared is it goes to each individual and probably if we took a review at the back, everybody probably heard something different. Certainly there'd be a few groups of people that heard the Lord speak to you about something that he needs you uh, to engage in as you move forward. Um, and that's just the nature of how Holy Spirit works. We're individuals, we're all unique and he speaks to us in, in our own way. And um, so I just appreciate Joe sharing with us as he did. Remember to keep their family in your prayers. Um, as they continue to walk forward in the in the journey that's in front of them, we so appreciate you guys are uh, just representative of so many people who are walking through things that we're all we're kind of taught sometimes that it's all supposed to just be easy, and as soon as it's not, well, there must be some hidden thing that's gone wrong, and we forget about the fire uh, that refines gold. We forget about this journey of faith that we're a part of, and it's step by step, and sometimes it's a grind, 
But in that grind, God can still be glorified. In fact, sometimes he's more glorified through the fact that we're just not giving up and we're continuing to stand when the enemy just would love to see nothing more than for us to give up. And so it's our connectivity. It's our sharing time together, meals together, um, and just staying connected. Social media is used for a lot of garbage, and I'm always talking against that. But the social media is a way you can stay connected with folks that are even living just about on the opposite side of this big uh, green ball flying through space. And um, so let's just close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your hand upon the Colucci family. Lord, we thank you that you are sustaining them in the midst of what's happening. And Father, we know that this story is not finished, that you are the author of the beginning of the book, and you are the same author of the end of the book. And we know at the end that all things work together for good for those who are in love with you, who are called according to your purposes. And Father, we thank you that the Colucci's have said yes to what you have called for them to do. And I, I just pray right now, Lord, as this, as this body of believers, as we stand here having received uh, this word, that there would be a joining together, that there would indeed be a strengthening of hope, that there would be a hope that is steadfast in the midst of whatever would come to try to uh, deter, because we know that the one who's promised, who has promised these things is faithful. Regardless of what it looks like, we know that you are faithful, Lord, and we thank you for that faithfulness towards the Colucci's, Lord, and we just connect ourselves by faith that we would be generous and uh, sacrificial in the way that we care for them, pray for them, stay connected with them, and uh, just bless them with the resources that you have blessed us with, because it's all for your kingdom's sake. It's all for the name that's above every name, that we live this life you've called us to. It's for you, Lord. It's for your glory and for what you have called us to do. Just be a part of an amazing work that completes and wraps up when you come back for us. Lord, we thank you for your power that goes with us out of this place, that we don't go empty, we go full, ready to share, ready to give for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Appreciate you. If you see someone that you don't recognize, go ahead and invite them to lunch. <laughs>